Welcome to Man Pepper, a baseball podcast, straight baseball banter, coming in hot. I don't even know what episode anymore. 24? 23. Thank you, Three. Chris. <laughs> With your hosts, as I just said, Chris and Jake. What's going on, dude? What's up, Jake? I like the new hat, man. You want to give a little background? Yeah, I'm wearing a no shit hat. So it just came in the mail. It even had the <laughs> sticker. So I'm real going gangsta on everybody right now. Um, Northern Organized Southern Hospitality Invitational Tournament, golf tournament coming up uh, right before Thanksgiving. About 32 guys coming. You're coming down for the first time. Hell yeah. It's been going on since 2015. And then it's been established even long before that. It was oh shit before it became no shit. So I'm excited, man. We got uh, our buddy Eric coming down, our buddy Mober coming down. Uh, I know some of your buddies, but there's probably like a good 70% I don't know. But yeah, man, like five rounds of golf, just guys, no kids, no wives. It's going to be amazing. Guys being guys, drinking <laughs> beers, having fun. Well, dude, we have uh, Eric Campbell on today. Yes. Ex-big leaguer. A Met. Sorry for the Mets this year. Sorry. Oh, good. More importantly, you know, I had a great career, huge minor league career. Playing out of Vegas quite a bit, too, so we'll talk about that a little bit. A fellow uh, competitor from Connecticut that I played against quite a bit in high school and Legion. Uh, never got to play against you in college, unfortunately, but uh, we played together going into college and some some travel ball. So, dude, thanks for coming on, man. Super excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pumped. I, I love these podcasts coming on here and doing this. So are you a podcast connoisseur these days? Is this like yeah. number seven? We just didn't know it? No, I've been on a couple. I'm not like a huge, uh, you know, I, I listen to a couple fantasy football things here and there, but I'm not, you know, no, I'm not big time into it. That's all good. That's fair. Uh, I said it in the green room, or maybe it was when I was texting with you. We used to call you, and you're <laughs> Bobo or Bozo. Okay. Do you remember this nickname? After you said, when you said it at the time, I was like, what in the hell is this guy talking about? So I'm driving home after you said it, and I'm like, what is he talking about? And then it was because I went to NFA, we were red and white, and I had these big red cleats on when we played in that showcase together. So I'm like, okay, now it's all kind of coming back to me a little bit. Bo- it was Bobo. I'm, I'm yeah. right, right? Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I just couldn't yeah. remember why. we. So you got the why we called you Bobo. I couldn't remember if it was Bobo or Bozo. I didn't think it was Bozo. It sounded really weird. Yeah. But I think it was Bobo, but you you are the num- the only person on earth that has ever called me that. So that I never called of- no one co- it was all it was that crazy <laughs> coach. It was that crazy coach from that college select team <laughs> that was like, oh Bo which again, I'm talking about high school right now, but hey, I'm gonna reminisce yeah. a little bit. Like that team was stacked. Like you were yeah. Mr. Defense, just hitting bombs. I was playing short, Still. playing the best five games of my entire life. I remember uh, that tournament. You went, you absolutely went off. I think you got MVP of the whole, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like big time memories of Jake Willis being a really good <laughs> high school baseball player. <laughs> I peaked early. <laughs> you peaked later in life where you should actually make money. I was just playing high school ball. <laughs> I, I don't know. They might've been giving you a little deal under, under the table there. Maybe my parents, who knows? They're paying for everything. Oh, yeah. All right, so Bobo, that's it. I won't call you that anymore, but it's all good. All good. All good. Well, uh, while we're on nicknames, Eric, like obviously go on your baseball reference, whatever. Um, your nickname on there is Soup. Yep. What's the, what's the backstory there? 
I'll give you I'll give you a couple seconds to try to figure it out. Campbell. <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> yeah, yeah, Campbell. Um, that's you something can... my my colleague. <laughs> Man, I stepped in that one. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes some people a little a little bit. You're all right. <laughs> No, I had like a lot of thoughts in my head. I'm like, man, what could this possibly mean? There's got to be a good backstory, but there it is. Yeah, my college coach started calling me that from the second I walked on campus at, at BC. And like from then, there is not like one baseball player that I've ever played with that calls me Eric anymore. I'm soup to everyone. So it just kind of became natural. With I'm, I'm, I'm good with I, I like it. It's good. That's a good nickname. Yeah, yeah I like it. It's a good baseball like... nickname in particular. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, you want to talk a little playoff ball? So, Eric, we'll get we want to get into a little bit of your career, and we'll go into that some more. But, uh, Chris, you're thinking about the playoff format? Kind of lay it on us. What do you? Where are you going with it? Yeah, Eric, I'm interested in your thoughts. Like, I'm watching. I'm streaming the uh, Yankees Astros game one right now. Obviously, in the NL, we've had some upsets, right? We got two wild card teams in the NLCS. ALCS, we've got the two top two seeds, but Yankees obviously were put to the test. I've been reading some things like some articles, some people on Twitter kind of lamenting the fact that like the Dodgers went 111 games and then they run into a little bit of a buzzsaw with the Padres in a best of five. Do you have any issue with the current format? Like the the solutions that I'm hearing is like you win 111 games, you should have more of an advantage than just a 2-2-1 format, especially if you lose that first game at home as the Dodgers are one of the first two, then you kind of lose home field. It's a short series. To me, I feel like it's designed and baseball. One of the cool things about baseball postseason is if you get in, you can win. Um, and there's like, the NBA definitely isn't like that. Like, I feel like if anyone besides a top three seed wins, it's pretty much a shock, but anyone could kind of win in baseball because it's just the nature of the sport. Like, how do you feel about that with such a long season? And then it comes down to just, the first series, at least, just best of five, first one to three wins. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Is, it, is it a good format? Like, well, what are your I'm thoughts? Not, I'm not sure how you would change it a whole lot, aside from like the wild card round where the one team gets home field advantage for the whole series. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would like that. It's just some teams, like the Dodgers, are obviously a powerhouse. They're built to have success during the course of the regular season. I mean, their their lineup is deep. Their staff is deep. Their bullpen has always been deep. And then you run into, you know, Darvish, you know, yeah, they lost to the Padres. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You run into these pitchers that get hot, and that's it. And yep, I'm not sure there's a solution other than, you know, you hope your you hope your number one and number two are healthy come postseason. I, I I really thought the Mets would win it this year with Degrom and Scherzer being healthy. Yep. Um, but it just turns out between um, Darvish and um, who shut the Mets down in the wild card that round. It was, Snell? Uh, well, Snell they, got, they got Snell. They got Musgrove. I mean, Musgrove. they've got a staff. Yeah, Musgrove, Musgrove on that game three against the Mets was just lights out. And that's the that's the way it goes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. It doesn't need fixing. It's just, you know, that's the beauty of baseball is, is somebody can beat somebody on a, any given night. I guess I guess you can go to best of seven all the way through, but then it's going to be too long. You're playing into mid-November, and it's yeah. already you're already playing in freezing cold weather in the postseason. The only real way to fix it is either shorten the regular season to like 150, which I don't think is ever going to happen because 
baseball is so much about numbers and historical numbers and you shorten the shorten the season, those numbers aren't always going to match up. Um, or I guess you can, like you said, Eric, in the wild card, which is the first year this year, home the the higher seed got all three games at home. I guess in the AL, the, the division series, you could do like, I don't know, one four or something like that to really give the top seed an advantage. But I just feel like that's never going to happen. Like you're not going to take away like ticket sale opportunities oh, for like yeah. the lower seed and things like that. Yeah, you you hit it right on the head with that. I, I I did spend one year in Japan, and the way they did their playoffs was a team that dominated the regular season would start with a one nothing series lead in the playoffs. Wow. Which, yeah, it's a huge advantage. Um, but best of five? It, I think it was best of five. It might have even it might have been best of three, to be honest. I, I can't wow. really remember. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking to change something, you could do something like that. But I don't I don't think it needs fixing. I think that it is. That's just the way it is. And, you know, they just ran into a hot team. I think that's why we like baseball. You know, I mean, you said it just a minute ago, it's like anybody can pretty much beat anyone on any given day, especially when you're talking pro, you know, the major leagues where everyone is there for a freaking reason. Yeah. Uh, these guys well, can, and- they can get hot. And sorry, Chris, I was just going to say the only other thing I was, um, you know, the Dodgers that kept saying, which it doesn't really hold true much for the Mets, doesn't hold the same argument, but it was like the Dodgers didn't play a meaningful game for like 30 days. Yeah, 25 days. And here are the Padres, um, they were playing down the wire. The Mets were going down the wire too, um, at least try to get that division piece out of it. Yeah, the whole the whole clinching early thing has no advantage in baseball. It, no. it doesn't. Like you can't. I, I guess it could help your bullpen and you can manage it a little bit better, so you're healthy going into the playoffs. But if you're a hitter, like you do not want a day off. If right. you're hot, you don't want a day off. If you're cold, you don't want a day off. You want to get right back in there and and, and get it going. So, you know, the yeah, you, you get a week of rest or a week of meaningless at-bats. It's like, that does not help. I would take three days off for an all-star break, and you get back and you feel like you're on ice skates in the batter's box. So, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you kind of do want to play meaningful games the last 15 of the year. You kind of an- answered my my next question because the other thing I've been reading is like the the division winners who actually get the automatic entry into the division series may be at a disadvantage because they have so much off time. Whereas these and these other teams are playing two or three games, coming in with some sort of momentum after winning that series, and they've had live at bats. Whereas like the Dodgers, they're just sitting there for a week. There's really no way to fix that <laughs> other than going back to like the do or die game that they used to have. I don't know, man. It, it's an inter- it's just a unique sport with respect yeah. to that downtime could actually hurt you. Although people say the same stuff with the NFL, right? You see you see wild card teams make it to the Super Bowl and they you know, it's kind of easy to like Monday morning quarterback it and look back like Steelers made a few runs in the past from the wild card Giants too and they always point to like, "Oh, well like they they ended the season strong and then they got that wild card game. So they had momentum coming in, whereas the other team had the week off. But I don't know, man. Like yeah. baseball is just unique. Like you're not gonna you could be the best player in the world and go over 20. So yeah. you're not always gonna I, hit. I, I, I did like the one wild card game better than what it is yeah. now. I yeah. I just Oh, think, you like you like the do or die instead of the three yeah, games. They, I mean, the only reason you do it three games is is for ticket sales, like you said earlier. I think yeah. it, it's just 
you know, you can't, you can't let the Dodgers take five days off. It's just not how baseball works. Yeah. So they can't go back to the do or die though. Cause they, with the expansion of the seventh team, now that the lowest division winner is in the wild card, that would be a huge, I don't know, disadvantage to winning your division. And then you're in a do or die. So with the expansion, I don't think they'll ever go back to that. When they used to just have the two wild card teams on the do or die, I got it. Like you didn't win your division one game, but you can't win your division and then have a do or die, in my opinion. Well, couldn't couldn't you do the do or die with like so how many teams make the playoffs now from each seven? Yeah. Seven? Right? Yeah, because yeah. the top two get a bye. Is okay. it six? Oh. I'm I'm an idiot, but and then there's I think it's five. Yeah. Isn't it five? No, it's <laughs> no, it's six. Three division winners and three wild cards. So top okay. two division winners get the bye, and then the other the other four battle it out in the best of three. So, but this is the first year with that format. Okay. You could go, go to, to seven and have a do or die. Go to for the eight games. Cards. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go yeah. to eight game. Eight teams make the playoffs in each league. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the teams with the best record get the one nothing series lead to start, and so like everyone's it. playing. Nobody gets a bye. Let's go. All right. Like it. Yeah. I like where your head's at, soup. Chunk, chunky soup for dinner here. Here we go. I actually kind of like that format. So, like, then the Dodgers would have played, I forget what the lowest, well, it'd be the team that didn't even make the playoffs in the NL. It would have been, like, the Cardinals or something. Like the you, get a you get a 1-0 lead, best of three, all games at Dodger Stadium, and the Dodgers just got to win one of them. That's it. Yeah. I actually I like do it. like that. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll call Manfred. Yeah, yeah. You got any contacts with the commissioner's office still? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> all right i like i like the playoff playoff talk that's good um yeah. hopefully the yankees lose here in the alcs uh they're in a tight one right now have you you watching i know yeah well i got it i'm following it here it's one one right yeah 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 anywho all right so hey man let's give a little background on eric's career here so bc went there uh third third year you left Right? Got yep. drafted by the Mets in the eighth round. Yep. I knew, I mean, playing against you in high school, first of all, that high school team you were on was yeah. fucking ridiculous. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? Looking back. Yeah, Actually, looking let's, back. let's step back to high school for a second. Can we go through your team for a minute? Yeah, sure. I love the glory days. <laughs> go, let's, so yeah. you got to remind me of some of the names, but like, who's the center fielder? Will, right? Will Bachelor went to Dartmouth. He yeah. was two two years ahead of me. So, yeah, we had a lot of good players. I think all total within like a five-year span, there was, I think, six or seven D1 players, which, you know, in the state of Connecticut and eastern Connecticut really is unheard of. Um, but going back even before high school, like we all grew up together. We all loved baseball. We all played together. We We did all-star teams together. And it was just like a group that pushed each other and 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 loved it and it just carried over to high school and it carried over even to like you know we're still friends to this day it was just a, a unique group that doesn't happen a whole lot anymore yeah and not to mention you had d1 guys you had yourself pro ball at the highest level you had kerrigan at the highest level mm-hmm. uh zaneski who i think triple a but was in the minors and pro ball for a while yeah Am I missing yeah. anybody else? Bachelor went to Dartmouth and Eric Thompson went to oh, Thompson. Yeah. Uh Vermont. Jeez. We had a couple of other D three players, Iavino. Um yep. and then a couple of years after me, Dominic Leone, who's still 
a big leaguer today. Oh shit! Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Was he with the Jays recently, or or this past year he was with the Giants? But he's he's going on like seven years in the show now. Yeah. Damn. I mean, that's in, that's incredible. Like, I'm from Bristol. We've had we had a lot of uh, like a college players on my Legion team. No one made the majors, and we're still kind of looking for that first major leaguer since like 19 like 40 from Bristol. To have two or three on the same high school team is in Connecticut. It's crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> our best year when I was a junior and, you know, all the guys ahead of me were seniors, Kerrigan and Thompson, we lost to Matt Harvey. And we didn't even win our conference tournament. We lost to Harvey. We didn't win the state tournament. We lost to um, Danbury, I think it was. So, yeah, there was yeah, just Harvey. a lot of talent. So, baseball, man. Eastern Connecticut. There you go. There's Fitch, Harvey. You know, it's like. And there's another one. I mean, my yeah. God, go down the line. But Jake was the best. He was the best player ever. And, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was the lone soldier over at East Lime, just like, oh, I got to go down Murderer's Row again tonight. Great. This is awesome. <laughs> and inevitably, you guys would win, I don't know, 2 nothing, 3 to 1, 2 to 1, because I'd give up a jack to like you or, or somebody. Yeah. I'd get maybe a hit, maybe get an RBI, and that was it. Just Kerrigan would throw 98 passes all. Yeah, we he between him and Thompson, if we scored one run, we would win. <laughs> I actually, I hated facing Thompson more than I, uh, I, Kerrigan, at least in high school, he still was kind of learning on his breaking stuff. So I was like, I can time up the fastball. Thompson was that big old funky lefty with that just hammer curve and he was all over the place. And it was like, I didn't like hitting against him. Yeah, like Tom Thompson was a good college pitcher, obviously, but like I didn't see face him in high school, but he would have been my nightmare <laughs> in high school. Like good velocity, good breaking stuff, a little wild, weird, like funky delivery. Like that guy probably gave up like two runs all season. Like those are the types of guys that just you can't hit when you're when you're sixteen or seventeen. It's impossible. Yeah, the only thing that would get him in trouble is location, but he was yeah. when he was on. Yeah, he was every bit as good as anybody else in the area. Damn. Yeah. Decent guy too. I'm I'm sure he's going to listen. He's going to listen to this. Decent guy. (laughs) He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, if Tiz is listening, man, uh, we got some good memories back at my house in Bristol playing on the twisters together. So what's up, Tiz? (laughs) So BC, you went to the Mets eighth round. So going back to your college career, I mean, I knew you were going to go obviously, you know, follow that the group of guys and all of us kind of in the same year or two. And I was like, yeah, Campbell's going to go play somewhere good. He's nasty. BC, big Northeast school. Talk about the career there a little bit. Did you play exclusively third or were you all over the infield, just Mr. Utility in college as well? In college, I mostly played third. Yeah. I was either going to go to BC. I, I think it was between BC and UConn. And so my first year going to BC was their first year in the ACC, which, you know, really is where I wanted to be because you're playing, you know, every weekend you're playing at this powerhouse school. And we got our ass kicked for three years, but it was still awesome to go up against, you know, Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Yeah, so that was a a great experience. It just allowed me to play against really good competition and – I had a couple of good years there, which showed me, you know, I can, I can hang with the best of them. And, and that's probably what opened the door to pro ball. But 
you know, I loved, I loved BC, even, even though we were ninth, 10th, 11th in the conference every year, it was still a lot of fun to play there. Coming out of, out of college or at least going into your junior year, were you feeling like, okay, you know, I've been playing in the ACC for two years now, kind of hold my own a little bit. You starting to get some calls. I mean, obviously, you know, you had the size, you had the athleticism, uh, stats to go along with it. Maybe the team wasn't great. Were you getting, you know, some talks and expecting uh, to be drafted, especially, I mean, eighth round, that's, you know, top 10, that's high, man. Yeah, I had a good sophomore year and I, I did not have a good freshman year. I didn't have a good freshman summer. And then sophomore year, I, you know, it just clicked. And I think once you get hot in baseball, when you're only playing 55 games, 56 games, like a hot streak can carry you for a long way. And I just played really well, carried it over to the summer. So going into my junior year, I started, you know, it's tough to remember now, but I started getting some, some looks like, you know, pro teams coming to the college practices or whatever. So I kind of knew I was going to get drafted. It was just a matter of how high in into who and i you know i i didn't even crush it junior year i did okay uh i i just think like you said between my size and you know i had a a short swing and i was decently athletic that you know the mets ended up taking a chance what was what was the decision like getting drafted junior year because obviously you don't have to go right but like jake said eighth round is high was it a was it a no-brainer like i'm signing i'm going was there any thought about coming back for one more I was going, I was going and, and it was nothing yeah. to do with BC. It was just a matter of like, if you don't go then, you know, and say you're a senior sign, it's like the teams, the team that drafts yeah. doesn't have that much um, invested in you. So they, they probably care about you a little less as, as much as it sucks to say, it's like, it's true. So I, I was going probably anywhere inside the top 10 rounds or 15 rounds. I was going to, I was going to sign. How was the phone call? Because I've, I've read something on Wikipedia like you weren't even, you didn't even know. I don't know if Wikipedia is even right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have put that entry in there before this podcast. I think, I, I think one of my buddies messed with my Wikipedia a long time ago. So I've been, yeah. <laughs> it gets brought up all the time. Anyway. I'm going to put this episode on there, yeah. man. I'm going to go on and be like, he's Eric Campbell's been a guest on Man Pepper <laughs> on your Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that the day of the draft, I went. I was going to go golfing with my dad just because I didn't want to be worried about it. And the MLB draft goes so fast. I, you know, I, I got drafted before we even went. So, yeah, it just happened. And uh, I went. I did go higher than I expected. I, I really didn't know what to expect, but I had a pre-draft workout with the Mets at um, the old Shea Stadium, and. I guess I did okay. I don't know. Nobody tells you anything. You just kind of, you know, you just do it. You're running your 60, throwing some balls, hitting some hitting some balls. That's it? Yeah, you get no feedback, and then all of a sudden you're drafted. So There you go. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah. Jake, did, I, I don't, did you get drafted? I don't, no. No, no they, okay. they looked at my speed and my uh, fielding ability, and they were like, I ah, can hit a little bit, and he can throw, but those other two things, no, nowhere close. See you later. I'm not kidding. He was a good high school player. <laughs> I never played him in college, but he was very good. I was a good college yeah. player too. You know, your draft class to the Mets. Any other names that that you recall getting into camp and being like, "Wow, okay, 
this guy's going to be something and became something as well? Well, yeah, we had a talented draft class and none of them ended up like really going crazy in the big leagues, but Ike Davis was around for a while with the Mets and the Pirates. Um, Really good player. Reese Havens, who went to South Carolina, he was a shortstop. He was our other first rounder who was like, he was one of the more impressive players I ever played with, but he he got injured. So he never really, I don't even, I'm not even sure he made the big leagues, Um, but he was very talented. Uh, We had a bunch of guys that kind of fizzled out, you know, like any other story, either partying or um, just get sick of the minor league grind. And then um, Kirk Neuenheiss was another really good player that, that I think he was our, our third or fourth rounder that year. So he had a, he had a nice major league career too. Yeah. So there was some talent. And I actually think, I think Colin McHugh was that year. Who's yeah. Who's the only guy still playing from that draft class. Hey, Ike Davis made a, like a pretty big splash when he came up. He had a few real good years. Um, I remember he was on my fantasy team for a little bit. He was a beaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, I Davis, the big, the big lefty, first lefty, baseman. Yeah, yeah. he had. Oh, a, I think yeah. he hit thirty one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he and like pretty early on. So like he had. I just remember being like, he's gonna be the next thing. Like he's gonna be the next real like big first baseman in the in the majors, and it didn't last. Um, but he still had pretty impressive career. Yeah, he's he's another great dude too. Yeah, the whole he, like we had a. I, I had a good high school group, but my draft class with the Mets was a really tight group. We were all friends together, and we all stayed with the Mets for a long time, which is also kind of rare. Is that? An, I mean, mm-hmm. again, pro ball, you're obviously, it's a business now. So what you just mentioned, that you guys had kind of a close-knit draft class, handful of you, still stay in, stay in touch, still maybe yeah. talk, that yeah. doesn't sound like it's something that's very common at all. Yeah, we, you know, we do fantasy football together, a bunch of us. Um, we still keep in touch. We've been to each other's weddings. The thing that really, truly sucked is probably my best friend in, in baseball was Josh Satin, who um, he was also our draft year out of Cal Berkeley. And he got the day I got called up, he was the one that got sent down for me. So it was it was like he obviously he was cool about it, but it was pretty yeah. awkward, like. You know, I'm I'm all pumped up and I'm like, damn, my best friend, you know? Yeah. So that's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah. Well, take us, take us to the call up call. How did that happen? Uh, Like, were you expecting it? How'd you find out? What was, what was that feeling like? I, I, I was expecting it. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I, I wasn't like, it's tough to say. I was playing very well and I had a really, really good spring training to where I was one of the last cuts and I was pretty much out of nowhere. Like they, I don't think they had any plans for me. I just like, I came into camp in really good shape and I had a very good spring and really got my name out there a little bit. So I, um, you know, I got cut, I think it was the last day of spring training, but it was all positive feedback. So I knew I had like, I I knew I had someone on my side Mm -hmm. and I went to Vegas and went off. I think, you know, I, I played, I got called up on May 10th. So um, I think it was like a month and a half of me just, I was hot. And the New York, the Mets weren't playing that well. Um, a couple of their corner guys were not playing that well. So I like, 
without getting my hopes up, I was like, okay, if, if it's ever going to happen, like it's going to happen. And sure enough. Um, yeah, I was in Salt Lake city and Wally Backman who, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Wally Backman, but he's one of the greatest, um, personalities of all time. So he called me into the restaurant and after the game and told me I was going up and yeah, best, best moment ever. Sounds like we're going to have a Wally Backman coach's corner story later, potentially. He, he's, have you guys seen his videos? Is he, he's the one with like the grenades and shit? No, he's not that one. Or am I wrong about he's that? In that he, he's in that same, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's in the suggested video. <laughs> he's adjacent to the grenade guy? Yeah. Video adjacent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say about the call up, you were having an unbelievable start to the year. In, in Vegas, going through some of your stats for the, you know, baseball reference over the few years, Vegas crushing it. Yeah. Not having regular playing time and being Mr. Util. I mean, I remember you coming up and I remember texting like Chris and some of the others like, oh shit, fucking Campbell guy I played with and super happy for him. Like they're playing him at second. He's in left. Like what the hell? He's like all over the place. Did you ever find your groove? I mean, you had some, you played a bunch of games obviously in 14 and 15. In New York, are you talking about? In New York, in New York. But it was like, then yeah. they'd send you back down. You'd crush it again. And they're like, all right, bring them back up. And then like, they just not finding the footing, like not giving you the playing time that, that yeah. you needed to kind of, as you talked about earlier, you want to play every day. Yeah, I obviously think about this stuff like a lot still. And when, you, I mean, when you're not like a top prospect and I wasn't, you got to produce right away. Even if, even if it's a couple of games, like you got to, and if you don't, you know, you're going to get benched for four days. Okay. You got to pinch hit a couple times and, uh, you know, you just play when, when your regulars need a day off, which is, which is a great life, but it's, it's very hard to like get hot and feel good at the plate. So like, yeah, my numbers in the big leagues were horrible, but like, I firmly believe if I got a ton of at bats, I would, I would produce similar numbers that I did, you know, in triple a, it's just, I didn't. So, you know, you, you get an over three. Okay. You're not going to start tomorrow. You're going to pinch it tomorrow. You face, let's say Craig Kimbrell, you know, you put up a over one the next day you face, you know, um, Craig Stammen or something, somebody like that. Yeah. You get another over one. Now, all of a sudden you're hitting a buck 50 and you're like, man, I'm not a, I'm not a one fifty hitter. Yeah, you hit a buck fifty with like forty nine at bats. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, but well, dude, especially pinch hitting, like none of us here probably ever pinch hit that much, right? Because through college and then you after college, Eric, like you're playing every day. Pinch hitting's hard to begin with, but then you're you're pinch hitting in the bigs against Craig Kimbrell, like cold off the bench, seeing a guy like that, like yeah, I, I don't know what's expected other than a strikeout. Honestly, well, you just you have to. So you do yeah. like yeah. you gotta to be a pinch hitter. You gotta be able to hit a fastball. You gotta be able to hit the best fastballs in the world. And I, like, I could, I, I could hit a fastball. It's just you know doing it once every three days or or that. I just, yeah. I just did not put up good numbers. But you know, it's okay. I had, I had fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, I think you're selling yourself a little short. Like your rookie year, I think you ended at like two sixty three or something like that, and then. You know, like you said, like you're playing in bits and spurts after that. So like, no, you weren't hitting, you know, 300. But dude, you made the bigs. You played what four parts of four or five seasons. 
one year, one season in Japan. I don't know. We've had a lot of guys on this podcast. Um, besides Gary Gaetti, none of them have had long big league careers. But the thing I take away is like, dude, if you make it there for a day, and even if you didn't make it there, um, like there's guys that we've had on that I that they're sure they could have produced in the bigs, but they were blocked, right? Like they just never got that opportunity. And you just start seeing like the whole world of baseball that there's so many guys that never even got there that if they had, and if they had gotten 500 plate appearances in a season, probably would have been able to do it. You know what I mean? And like been like a, a guy, but there's a lot of dudes out there that can play and there's just not spots for all of them on a regular basis. It just kind of is what it is, right? Yeah, it's very true. I played with a ton of guys that I'm like, this, this guy could play in the big leagues and play well. But you just like you got to get hot when you get called up and you have to produce in that short amount yep. of time. It's why, you know, I respect or, I, you know, I admire guys like Daniel Murphy or like even Chris Taylor with the Dodgers. Like, I don't think they were big yeah. prospects and they get up there and they just take advantage of the opportunity. And it's like, you know, everyone tries to take advantage of the opportunity. But the reality in baseball is sometimes you're hot and sometimes you're just a little bit off. So I, I love seeing careers like yeah. that where they, I think both of them have carved out 10 years too, which is think, awesome. Think but, about someone like Kike Hernandez with the Red Sox. I mean, another Dodger where it was like, throw him yeah. all over the place. Great defender. He was always a great defender, right? Hit here and there. And then he signs like a big deal with the Red Sox. And even when he signed, I was like, oh, I think I was texting Chris. I'm like, Kike, man, okay, we'll see. And fucking awesome. Like in the playoffs, was it? last year or the year before is dude like yeah. he was kind of like a utility guy and but he made himself into i mean shit he's got to be going on eight nine years at this point just like yeah. you said i think what what you said earlier like everyone's good and it's just a matter of of where you get drafted so what kind of opportunity do you get like how long of a lease do you get in the minor leagues and the big leagues do you take advantage of it when you get it and, and then obviously there's superstars that have crazy talent, but, you know, for the most part, you know, 80% of us are all kind of in the same boat. Do you mm -hmm. ever think back, uh, you know, with how you got up with the Mets, if you were with a different organization, if you're like, man, if I was like the Pirates, nothing against the Pirates, but they haven't been good in a while, you know? <laughs> If if they hey threw me at third and gave me a, a season to see what I could do, like hey, I'd still be playing. Like, unfortunately, like, do you have those thoughts? Like, damn it, or are you yeah. kind of like, hey, man, Mets, it was Mets, and it is what it is. And... Oh, but you, I think all those thoughts. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a, you know you're human. You, of course, you're gonna think them. Uh, when you're when you're in a big market team when you're in a playoff race, when you're in a, on a team that's expected to do well, like if you don't do it, they're going to go find somebody that does. And like, I think it was 2015. Like I, I didn't play well. So what do they, they go get Juan Uribe, they get Kelly, you get Kelly Johnson. And that's just what big markets do where, yeah, probably if you're in Oakland or Pittsburgh, you'll, you'll have a, a longer leash because they don't necessarily like have to win that day. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. You were talking earlier, Eric, about uh, when Jake asked you about like your draft class and you said that, you know, some guys fizzled out like partying or some maybe just got tired of the minor league grind. What You were in the minors for like five ish, five or six years before getting called up. Is that right? Did you did you ever feel like you were getting tired of it or what was your experience in the minors for that long? Because 
that that's a good amount of years, right? Like being in the minor leagues, um, bus trips, playing all over the place with that end goal in mind. But like year by like year four though or five, like where was your head at? Where you kind of like, if this doesn't happen in the next couple of years, I'm out. Like what were your what was your thought process? Yeah, yeah. I I mean we would joke around all the all the time like this is it, guys. This is it. This like <laughs> you know either nightly or weekly or monthly or it's always like this is my last year. I I don't know how much longer I can put up with this. And it's like the only thing that kept me going. If I if I saw one player in the major leagues that I was that I knew I was better than, like I could not stop. I couldn't. Even if it was mm-hmm. just one dude, I'm like, okay, if this guy made it, I I can get there. And I'm I'm glad I did because believe me, there is a plenty of nights where I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, but that's what I'm most proud about in, in my career is kind of I grinded it out. I grinded out 14 years in in yeah, it's yeah. it's it's something it's something that I'm like I I am a little bit proud that that I could get through it that long. Dude, absolutely. One one of the things that gets me mad, I feel like I talk about like what people say on Twitter a lot <laughs> on this podcast, but like when you start reading articles or people commenting on stuff about like the disparity between the majors and the minors and what guys in the minors get paid, you always get those people commenting like, dude, they're playing a game, it's the way it's always been. They should just be happy that they have the opportunity and it's like I only I only played independent ball for like two months. And even that I was like, dude, I don't know if I could do this for year after year after year. People just don't understand like that's not a glorious life. And even if you have a chance at this end goal of being in the majors of of living this amazing life and having a career in the bigs, it doesn't mean that the conditions underneath it need to be freaking absurd and terrible. And so like when the rationale for nothing needs to change is it's the way it's always been and they should just be happy because they have a chance and they're playing baseball. These aren't 16 year olds playing Legion or high school baseball like they're full grown adults, like trying to make a living and like putting their life on hold. And maybe they're never going to get to the majors. Right. So like you're putting six, seven, eight years into your life and you might never get there. You're not really making the money needed to survive either. Uh, It's just tough, dude. So I give guys like you like a ton of credit to do it for that. Yeah, long you're, put, you're kind of putting get all, there, your, all, all your eggs into one basket. Yeah. And, and I know yeah. a lot of guys that all of a sudden you're 26 and even like the, the kids that didn't go to college or the guys that didn't go to college, like you're setting yourself up to for a tough little life there for, for a while until you truly figure it out. Um, but I'm glad mm-hmm. like I'm glad it's starting to change a little bit to where I don't think they're ever going to get paid a ton in the minor leagues, but it's, it's starting to change to where, where at least people can be like, whoa, you guys really were treated, you know, not great there for a while. Well, it was but, the, uh, like, you know, the cancel cult- culture we're in now where like people are taking pictures of their like hot dog and piece of wonder bread in the minors and putting yeah. it on Twitter. And everyone's like, Oh my God, fucking, you know, how could the Yankees, I'm not saying it was the Yankees. How could the Yankees single a team do that? And it's like, Oh shit. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, but dude, those are the art. Those are the pictures that people are still commenting. Like, they should I, I be know, happy to I get know, the hot but, dog. <laughs> but like, that, that's also the, you know, I guess that's how the the new CBA came about this year, right? Where the, they did get some more benefits, rightfully so. In the minors. yeah, it's it's okay yeah. when you're 23, but when when you're 33, you're like, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit more of a job than it is a a, a bridge. Well, the issue, like that, I don't think it's going to change either, Eric. Because, and I'm not an expert on the CBA, but like I know the owners make 
the money and then there's a split with the players, right? And that's what they're always arguing about is that split and arbitration, all that stuff. The only way money is going to start funneling to the minors is if both of those parties take less, the major leaguers and the owners. And guys like you who got there, like once you're there and established, it's kind of tough to say, I finally made it. I'm willing to take less money now. I put in my six or seven years, like give it to the dudes that are still toiling away in the minors. So, I mean, the conditions may get continue to get slightly better, but those guys are never going to be making, I don't think, like markedly different money, in my opinion. Probably not. I, I think you're gonna still you're gonna you're gonna continually see continuously see the the probably number of players in each system go down. There were way too many players probably playing minor league baseball, you know, five years ago. You probably had eight teams at each level. And like to expect teams mm-hmm. to pay that many guys a ton of money, like you just you can't. So I think that's that's kind of where they're changing is they're gonna they're gonna increase the pay with Less number of guys. Well, and I think yeah. we've heard that we talked to months ago our good buddy Anthony Giansani. I don't remember that name from Montville, who's uh, yeah. detonating home runs in Mexico right now. He's on. I mean, shit. What is this like? His pure, ninth year in Mexico. Pure, pure eagle. eagle. He's just. He's. I mean, we were just texting him this morning. He's, he started the year like with like two or three bombs and six doubles, and it's like Jesus, dude. How, are you ever going to stop? Like. My point where I was going <laughs> was he's like, Jake, you should see the teams down here now. He's like, it's big league name, big, big time, big league names that, yeah, they might be 37, 38 now, but names you would recognize like all-stars and stuff. And so he's like, oh, come to Mexico now, you know, and again, maybe you see more guys start flooding different markets that way because they reduce the number of players and in the major leagues here. I don't know. Yeah. My first year, my 2013 was my first year in AAA, and it was all those guys. It was big league players that were probably at the tail end of their career. My last, last year when I was in Tacoma, like there was nobody as I, I was like one of the oldest ones there. Or I, I was the oldest one. It was all top prospects in AAA. So you're not seeing those guys kind of hang on anymore. So yeah, they're going to yeah. have to, I guess, go play in Mexico or, or Japan. Yeah. So take take me there, Eric. We talked to you about like your minor league experience before you got to the bigs. But then you get to the Mets. I think you were like there 14 to 16. If I'm am I right about that? And then you were down for a few years in AAA. And then I think your 30-year-old season is when you went to Japan. And then you came back and you were like up and down, I think, with the with a few teams and then the, you got up with the Mariners when you were like 34. I think there was a five-year break between big league stints. So you were talking about how when you were just purely in the minors, it was like, you're just trying to get there. Then you got there and you were kind of like, you know, back down or in Japan. What was your mental state like at that point with respect to, am I going to keep going? When I was in Japan or when I was in AAA even. Or just yeah. like after after your last Mets stint and then there was a few, like five yeah. years, I think, before you got back to the bigs and you were in AAA or Japan, like, what was driving you there? What was the decision like? Like, I'm still going to keep doing this. Obviously, you were still crushing it in AAA. I don't know what your yeah. Japan stats were like. That's why, because but... I was still playing well. And I knew I could still play in the big leagues. Yeah. And in the year after I got back from Japan, I was in New Orleans. And I had what, like, I don't know if my numbers necessarily show it, but that was my best year of baseball that I played. Um, and I just, I never got called up by, by Miami. It's just one of those things that it happens. But that's what kept me going is I was still healthy. 
you know, I was still in good shape. I was still playing really well. And I'm like, I know I can help a big league team. And, you know, it, it eventually happened with Seattle. I thought it, it maybe would have happened earlier than that. Um, but even, even getting there, even though I was with Seattle just briefly, like that was worth it. Just, just putting in that grind again mm-hmm. and getting back up there. So what was that call like? That, that one was After unexpected. That, long. that was unexpected because this is a good story. Actually, I was that whole COVID, I, I'm the COVID years kind of blur together, but after I played with Oakland, you know, we didn't have a season. I was in San Jose as part of like the um, taxi squad, I think they called it, for the A's. And after that year, I'm like, shoot, like, is somebody going to sign me? Because I have no stats to show. I'm 34, 33. And sure enough, like that whole offseason went by and I didn't get a call. So I'm, you know, I'm just working around here. I'm giving lessons and stuff. And I get a text on my phone from Seattle's um, assistant GM. So I, at this point I had like kind of turned, like called it a career. I, I was, I come, came to grips with it. Like I was bummed out that I couldn't play again, but I was like, okay, I got to move on. So they called me and I, I said to my wife, I'm like, uh, should I do this? Like, can I do this? <laughs> well, should I, you know? And she said, yeah. So I went out there. I didn't have any spring training. This was in like May. So it, it had been from, you know, I, I wasn't out there in February, March, April. I got out there in May. I played one week and put together good at bats and they called me up. They had like a couple injuries and they immediately called me up and I was like, Jesus, like that, that was completely, yeah, crazy. completely unexpected. Like I thought my career was over and, and here we go. So that, that was a good one. That was, uh, I'm, I'm glad I took that text message and, and, and went out there and played. Did you have the assistant GM's number saved or were you just getting like a random, Hey, this is, you know, Johnny Williams with the assistant general manager with the Mariners. I didn't have it saved. No. Cause I had never Which, been with the Mariners. It right. was, I think it was Justin Hollander. I, I'm, I think he just got promoted by the Mariners to, to a new position, but he, I think it was him. He texted me. It was like, you know, do you want to sign? And I said, yeah. That's, that's so crazy that that's how hey, that yeah. happened. Just text message. You want to come over, play some professional baseball? Is there any yeah. negotiating at that I mean, point? Or there's like, hey, this is what we're going to do for you. Just come on over. There, Yeah, there's no negotiating. It's just, know. this is what we're going to do for you. So you, you take it or leave it. Come on. Yeah. And I, I looked at the Mariners and I was like, okay, I feel like if I'm in AAA, I got a good shot to get there. And, and, yeah. and it happened. You made me think of something when you said, you know, I asked my wife, should we go do this? What was fam- like family life? I don't know if you were married during that grind, but that's obviously something that you have to take in consideration while you're going through all this, right? Like, were you, were you married and have kids then during that churn? Was that later? I uh, we got married um, with the when I was in the major leagues with the Mets that off season, and yeah, it gets hard. Minor league life or baseball life gets hard when you have kids. Like that's when it really is like, okay, if you don't truly have a shot, you got to start. You got to start figuring it out because life away from your kids sucks. It, it does, yeah. and. Uh, mm-hmm. Fortunately, like she's all, Kristen's awesome and she was always super supportive. Um, 
my daughter was born in the off season, but my, my year in Japan, like my daughter and wife were out there with me. And then, um, a couple of years later had a, our son Grady. And then, um, just last year we had may while I was with Seattle, our other daughter. So we, we have three kids and, and yeah, that's, it just gets hard with, with the minor league life being in Seattle, being in Tacoma, when my family's in Connecticut, it's like, that's when I was like, okay, you know, what are you, what are you doing? And, and that's when I ended up retiring. Yeah. I mean, it's a decision you got to make. Like, you know, if I'm not up there, do I want to go back to Japan? Do I want to bring the whole family over there? If I had that opportunity or like you said, Hey, do I move on and figure out what I want to be when I grow up? I mean, I'm still trying to yeah. figure that out. So. Yeah. Do do you want do you want them to to come live with you, or do you want to fly them out every month? And do you, it just yeah. gets a, a little chaotic. What do uh like when you were up with the Mets for those three years? Like what did what did those guys do with families? Assuming you're not like David Wright, just playing with the same team your whole career, like guys that are hopping around. I'm assuming that those families are just moving with them, but there may be there may be some families that are staying put and guys going to play for the season and coming back in the off season. Like that's got to be tough. Yeah, every everyone's story is a little bit different, but when you're not like, you know, when you're not a guy, when you're not a, an yeah. established veteran, and you can get called up and sent down and called up and sent down, it's like, okay, hey, I'm thinking of flying out the kids, you know, next month. What what's it looking like? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be in AAA. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be in the big leagues or hurt or whatever. So, you gotta. Mm -hmm. I, I I do give baseball wives and baseball families a, a ton of credit because it ain't easy and. It's just you never know when you're going to really see each other again, you know, outside of yeah. the offseason. And let's, and let's be honest, man, even if they're out there, you know, you're playing at 7 o'clock. I'm sure at the ballpark at 3, 2, maybe earlier. I don't even know. So, like, and you're, you're out of there at midnight. So, you're not even available that much, right? Yeah, you're, you're probably available from, you know, 9 a.m. to noon. To Yeah. Play. Yeah. It's a good life. Like I know it, yeah. it's super negative. We're talking super negative right now. It's a great oh, life. No, I, no. I wouldn't trade it, but yeah, it does get tough when, when kids are in the picture. No, I think, I think we're just talking the reality of having kids in that life. I'm, I, I'm assuming it's a great life to be a major league baseball player, but it doesn't mean that there aren't like difficulties with it. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people definitely would just glamorize it. Like there's no issues. You're in the majors, but like when you got a wife and kids, that's, that's got to be tough if you're not someone that's firmly established. You know, you're going to be, you signed a seven year deal. You're going to be with this team. You could be traded. You could get sent down. That's not easy. Uh, I think it's fair to talk about and acknowledge. Yeah. For that's sure. the only thing that truly bothers me is when people like group major league baseball players together and like one, it's like everyone mm -hmm. is so different. I mean, you're talking like the richest people in the world and you're talking people like grinding it out, like truly grinding it out a little bit. And yeah. there's, there's a, everyone's completely different. So like, oh, you're in the big leagues, like shut up. It's like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I'm not Max Scherzer here. So <laughs> relax. Right. Yeah. Well, tra transition a little bit to kind of like, I'll be the fan in me for a minute, Eric. Give me a toughest pitcher you got to face. Jake Arrieta, 2015. I think he won the Cy Young that year. So ball moving all over the place or deception or both? You just didn't know what it was going to do. Two seam or cut like you had. I, I didn't know until the last until it was too late. And I 
would, you know, would get jammed. But I, I don't know. I think I had probably four or five at three or four at bats and he was tough. I mean, just sitting from my couch, he was filthy for several years. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere too. The like, Orioles had him. I don't remember Terrible. him being like, and then, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, just kind of figured it out one year, but he had like that, I don't even know, four or five, six year stretch where he was one of the better pitchers in the game. Yep. I'm over Arietta. I'm over <laughs> Kershaw. I'm over Scherzer, except in spring training. I got a couple of hits, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of those guys I'm over. So you said, uh, you said Kershaw and I just thought of his curveball. I don't know if you're able to even answer this, but like nastiest single pitch you've seen from a pitcher, like who had the best single pitch, like Kershaw's curveball, something along those lines. I could not hit Sergio Romo's slider. That's the, that's one <laughs> that made me look look really bad. I probably missed it by a couple of feet. Uh, Kershaw's curveball is up there, and I don't know, like Arietta's two seam, I would say. Uh, Chapman's fastball. There's, yeah, everyone's got something good, dude. Yeah, we brought it up so many times, Eric. But like now, nowadays, I mean, like we're speaking like five years ago, but it's literally it's been like five years now. Everyone throws like a hundred to hundred and five. What the hell's going on? Could, yeah, but I, I, I don't understand. Like the bullpens. The pull, the bullpens now, that's the biggest difference between AAA and the big leagues is everybody is 98. In the in AAA, like you would see it's still a ton of guys at 91, 92, and it's like sinker slider. It's like, okay, no big deal. But now, like my last year in AAA, you were starting to see all those guys in the bullpen throwing 98 again. Like So it's starting to be everybody to where there's going to be all these averages. Like it has nothing to do with guys trying to hit homers at like maybe a little bit. Yes. It has 100% to do with these guys are just so nasty now to where you're not going to be able to hit 300 unless you you have insane bat to ball uh skill. Unless you're using Jeff McNeil's club of a bat and like very interesting choke <laughs> up 9 inches. Right. Yeah, wow. there's a there's a little bit Is it bit, a bat, dude? There, it looks it's definitely more a club than a bat. There are there are some long <laughs> swings and some you know, trying to do some serious damage swings, but for the most part, it's yeah. 101 is no fun. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. We've talked about this too, but like averages have gone down. People think it's just like people trying to hit home runs. I'm sure there's guys that do that, but you're seeing more pitchers per game than ever before because starters aren't going as deep and they're bringing in these bullpen guys. And like you said, they're all throwing 98 with nasty slider or split, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. How can we expect guys to, multiple guys on a team to hit 300. I think there was maybe 10 guys in the AL that hit 300 this year. Like you know what majors. I mean? And it's not because they don't yeah. care about their average. It's because they, it's hard to hit 300 right now. That's it. It's all the end of the story. That was, I, I was in that transition where, you know, Jake, like when, when all we would care about is our average, you know, in early in my minor yeah. league career, all we cared about was our average and, and home run total. And it's like, by the end of my career, no one gave a shit about average. So that was like tough because I, even at the end of my career, I cared what I hit, you know, and I, yeah. I was not happy in when I was in AAA hitting in the two hundreds. Like I, but I know I thought wrong. I just couldn't really change my mind and, and come to grips with the fact that that doesn't matter. What were they, what were they talking about? Just OPS? 
basically, or on base. Yeah, yeah. OPS, I, I would say, is the big one. I always, I always yeah. try to have my on base. You know, when I was in AAA, over four hundred. Like I always cared about a high average, high on base. I just thought that meant you're putting up quality at bats, and if you do enough of that, you're gonna score. And I still do believe that, but it's a a ton of how much damage are you doing now? You know what? And and the interesting thing is, I don't know. Few episodes ago, one of the guys we were talking with, um, he had mentioned, he's like, you're the employer and the employer comes to you, baseball team, and says, you know, we think you should go for this launch angle and do this and change this by three degrees because we want you to hit 40 home runs. He's like, you're the employee. What are you going to say? You can't say like, oh, I'm going to work on my average some more or I'm going to work on that bunt because like they'll just trade you. They'll yeah. cut you. And like when he put it in that perspective, it's like, okay, as an employee of a corporation I work for, I have responsibilities. And if I don't do those, it's no different. They can just throw you to the side, find the next person that will. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's very true. And the teams that I played for in my career are the teams that value a quality at bat. More specifically, like on base in in bat to ball skills and high walk you know, percentage that the Mets, Sandy Alderson came from the A's. I played with the A's, the Mariners value that. And then I played with the Marlins too. Um, that was more just a desperation heave. I was just trying to get back <laughs> into baseball and they were the one team that called me, but like, yeah, it's true. You, uh, I never got called from the Rangers. I never got called from some of those teams that all want to look for just, you know, pop power. So I had one more one more question. You asked, I think, about um, best pitcher. We've asked this to other people. Best pure athlete doesn't have to be best player, you know. Um, but just like the best, the, the guy that you played with or play even played against, we were just like, man, like I've never seen a guy do that on the baseball field or have that type of just natural Cespedes ability with the Mets. Yeah, oh, wow. like not even yep. close. He was the best player I ever played with, and the like the craziest athlete. Um, Yoannis Cespedes. That makes sense. Man. Fucking, there was a a pig or a boar. Is that what? Didn't that like end his career basically? I don't know. Didn't if he I get remember hurt? This story. Well, I thought he was like on oh, his man. farm. Oh, didn't he? He, like, he fell fell off something. Yeah. Yeah, he fell off like a horse because there was a boar and like messed his ankle up. I don't know, dude. I used to love Cespedes. Yeah, wild, wild, wild boar behind Cespedes ankle injury. Point twenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to laugh because I mean he was freaking awesome. He was when he got traded to the Mets in I think it was the 2015. Uh, oh my god. Like he homered every night. He would steal a base every night. When he ran the bases like it was different. He could throw a ball from center field to, you know, to first base like he that guy could do everything. Was it with the was it with the A's where he absolutely blew up, or did he have like a huge year with the Mets too? I forget. Well, he signed the big deal to go to the Mets, right? The Mets, yeah. But he was he was with the A's before that. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Well, he was yeah. the A's, the Red Sox, the Tigers, the Mets. <laughs> Red Sox, damn. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, a little bit of Red Sox. Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. Honestly, like I had kind of not forgotten about him, but that answer makes sense just based on watching him on TV and like his body and his arm and, and everything that he could do. 
I, I kind of love yeah. that answer. He even so. re- you know who kind of reminds me of just a little bit of a smaller version, just so happens to be a Met, is Marte. Star yeah. Marte. Yeah. It's like, Cespedes was a big yeah. dude. I mean, like, not tall, yeah, but big. like bull-chested, strong dude, right? He had crazy power, yeah. Yeah, right, crazy power. And Marte's got some power, but like, you know, not quite as as looming large of human. Yeah, he's got he's got to be the best the best I've played with for sure. Love that, love it. All right, man. Well, hey, good good stuff. Let's jump into coach's corner and tails. So we're gonna put you on the spot. Any sort of coaching story you could be coaching. You had a coach, minors, majors, just any sort of funny story. We we we'd like to let the guests tell something if they got they have anything. It could be short, quick. Well, I, I said earlier, I, I played for Wally Backman for a lot of years, and he's still like my all-time favorite guy to play with. So for all your li- all the listeners, like go YouTube Wally Backman videos. Just give yourself like a half an hour and have fun. It's, it's, he's, he's a legend. Um, like the, he was just, he would always have his players back, which is why everybody loved him. But he was also, you know, just smoked a hundred cigarettes a game like just just the old school (laughs) kind of whatever you think of an old school baseball player like he was it so he would like when we were in triple a he would rarely watch us play defense because he'd be in the hallway smoking cigs but sure enough like if there was ever a bad call even if he did not see it he would put his cigarette down and sprint out and get tossed faster than you could even blink like (laughs) He'd, he'd like, he'd hear something. He'd be like, Hey, soup, what happened? And I'd just give him a rundown and he'd be off. See ya tossed. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just had his players. He had his players backs. Like you wouldn't believe he was great. Just screaming at the umpire, just not even making any sense or just telling how bad of a call it was. Like, yeah, he would just, he would just motherfuck the umpire. And <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a million, I have a million Wally Backman stories. He, He's great. The fact that he didn't even see yeah. the play is <laughs> incredible. He's probably running out there like, I didn't see it, and you didn't see it either. <laughs> yeah. the, the first time I played for him was in double-A in Akron. I remember this play. And I was playing first base and got a ground ball and tagged first base. And the umpire said I didn't touch first base. So he comes sprinting out of the dugout, arguing with the umpire, and the umpire sends him back. To the, I, I think he tossed him, but he sent him back to the dugout. And he goes, I just fucking saw it on a replay. It's clear as day. There ain't a camera on our game anywhere. <laughs> so, he's, just, he's just yelling at this dude. And I'm like, I love, I love Wally. You got to have your players back, man. That's it. Yeah. That's good. That's cigarette, cigarette shout outs and back to back pods yeah. too, Jake. So that's something. I mean. Like yeah, it. lots of cigarette shout outs. <laughs> Don't smoke. <laughs> or vape. None of that. Chris, what do you got for a tails? Because I, I got something that's not really college related, but but Eric would appreciate it. I guess I'm just going to keep it on the tobacco theme. Uh, I don't think I've told Good. this one, Jake. Did I tell tell us about uh, dipping after Tennessee? Oh, God. No, I don't. We I have not heard it. this yet. Um. So Eric, Jake and I were like, I don't know, not the only two guys on our college team that didn't dip, but maybe two out of five. Like I feel like we, we were, were in the, the minority, skull very, very much the play. minority of not dipping. I also have never, I've never had a dip, believe it or not. Well, there you go. We're in good company. That's then. impressive. 
Yeah. So I can't say I never had one. This is the story of my first one. We were playing down at University of Tennessee, I think junior year, maybe sophomore, whatever. We beat them when they were the fifth seed in the country, ranked fifth, like in the early season, right? On our on our southern trip. So we're on the bus heading back to the hotel. We're all pumped up. We just beat, you know, fifth ranked Tennessee. And Jake and I are sitting together and like a senior comes up to us with a, t- a can of, what was it, Jake? Like it, the no, wolf? It was uh, the Copenhagen <laughs> fine cut, which was even worse. It was worse Cop- about it. Uh, that, that's, I think, yeah, and like, it's like powder. It had some flavor. Yeah. So they're like, we just won. You guys got to do it. You've never dipped. And, you know, we're we're pumped up. It's a senior. We're sophomores. Like, all right, we're going to dip. So I think we took it like right when we were leaving the bus, Jake, we got back to the hotel. So we, like each put a dip in, we go back to our room, we're rooming together. And like after like 15 minutes, I'm sprawled out on the bedroom floor, like in just my boxers, like sweating my ass off. And I don't even know where Jake is. Um, I can't see straight. So like I have no idea where he is. And I'm just like, Jake. And I finally get up and I open the bathroom and he's in the same position on the bathroom floor. And he's like, dude, this floor is just so cold and nice. Like I have to stay in here because he couldn't move either. And he's like sweating. Um, that was it. That was our first dip. <laughs> never felt like I wouldn't, I wouldn't was take a, a hangover. I, I would take a hangover over that. That was one of the worst yeah. feelings for about 30 minutes I ever had. And I just kept thinking, and I think I asked the question to some of our, our, guys that dipped like if this is your if this is a normal first experience with dip how do you like come back to it like how do you think like i'm just gonna push through this until i like it because for me it was a wall i could never never wanted to climb over let's put it that way i did i saw a video i think an nfl player was interviewed after the game the other day and he put in his first dip it was pretty funny yeah clay really uh chase claypool Oh yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, was he was he all right or did he? Yeah, he pass said out something at the, at the end like uh, I don't know. I don't. He was like dizzy or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that scene in Sandlot is is very accurate. accurate. <laughs> I mean, I think I did one other one. I think I did it maybe like three times in college, and one other time, yeah. one other time, I tried taking batting practice like senior year. I think our big first baseman Rick, he's like, Jake, get one, just take BP today. I'm like, fuck it, I'll try it. I remember getting up to home plate and like, like I swung and missed that ball. I'm like, I can't see straight guys. What the hell? Meanwhile, they're walking around with like four. Their whole mouth is just, I'm like, dude. I never got no, it. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Well, what were you going to say, Jake? Let's just back to back. back to, so my, my tales, got- the reason why I say it would, Eric would find it funny. It was going back to the college select somewhere in Connecticut when we were that tournament that we brought up earlier. I I had the runs going into that. <laughs> you know, I had a little bubble guts. And uh, I had a play. I was on first. And I don't know if you might have hit behind me. Someone hit one in the gap. And I was scoring from first. Yeah, that was probably me. <laughs> yeah. So drilled on the gap. I'm coming around third. And there's a play at the plate. And I slide home safe. But like bang, bang. And when I slid, everything was just like, it was not a collision. But it was just like, you know. And kind of let a little, little, you know, I took, I took a poop fart gamble, I guess. And, and, and I lost. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I go run, I come into the dugout, I'm slapping high fives, everyone. And I like run to the porta potty, which is right there, like next to the stands. Well, you know, I mean, it's not like a mess or anything. It's not like 
you know, I got to change my pants or anything, but I got to clean up a little bit. <laughs> well, I start hearing the inning is like ending at this point. And I hear like, oh, you know, whatever team scores. And, and I'm still in there. And I'm like, I can't. And I just hear people going, Jake, where the hell's, where the hell's Willis? Where the hell? <laughs> I'm just bursting out of this porta potty. No one knew anything other than just I was in the porta potty. Come running back on the field right to shortstop. I'm like, you guys have no idea what I just went through for the past five minutes. Like father, like son. Pretty much. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, bring it back to the college. I never heard that yeah. one, Jake. You yeah. never told me yeah. that one. I was saving it. I was saving it for, for Eric to come on. Tell him. Since since 2004, you were just 2000, saving it. Shit, I think that was 2003, man. No, but I've known you oh, since yeah. 2004, so you're saving it for that long <laughs> until this day. 18 I did, years. I did, not, I did not remember college select until until your name popped up on Facebook. Like I, <laughs> that's that, it. that that just went out of my memory. That's what happens, man. You get to the bigs, you forget all the other stuff, and that's where we <laughs> live. So <laughs> we keep it real here, Eric. We keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, man, a lot of fun. Really appreciate you coming on. You think we can get some of the uh, ex-NFA boys to come on? What do you think? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let them know. This is the uh, podcast to be on, for sure. <laughs> I'll just hit them up on Facebook Messenger like I did with you. You'd be like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. Sounds good. <laughs> did you think you were going to get uh, big leaked? You know, if I did, I'd be like, all right, fine, whatever. But I knew I, knew <laughs> I had a little bit of a of a head start because you were coaching one of my best friends, Chris winners, oh, yeah. uh, his son in yeah. baseball. So he's like, you need to get him on this thing. I was like, Oh, fucking Eric. Yeah. I remember. Eric. Hey, his kid is a good little athlete too. Well, Porter, he's the only kid on my T-ball team that could catch a pop-up. He's pretty good. Is he going to be, is he going to be six, seven though? Like he might Chris, be, man. Or... He's lanky and tall already. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's okay for baseball, but, uh, might have another sport calling. I mean, Glass now. Guy's sick. He's like 6'9". Wasn't Ike Davis super tall? Am I wrong about that, Eric? He's probably 6'5". Yeah. There you go. Ike Ike Davis. Davis. Boom. All right, man. Really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys.